Today is October 9th, 2020. The Trump campaign leaves an open ticket for Kamala Harris's favorite rapper, Tupac, for the vice presidential debate. Trump then sends out a very mixed signal about coronavirus stimulus, and Biden maintains a double-digit lead in the polls. Welcome back, everybody, to this show. We got another great show to finish it off here on Casual Friday. If you're watching the clip, you can see I've got on a polo. I think I'm going to start making that a thing. Every Friday, it's got to be Casual Friday. Make sure you're reaching across the aisle, shaking a hand, right? Uh, Kissing babies, having a good time, because today we have some good news We've got some bad news. We've got the left. We've got the right. We've got people thinking and doing and saying crazy stuff, which always means good stuff for the Split the Difference podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, a little bit about what we do. We are a political podcast that likes to look at both sides of the aisle and find that sweet truth in the middle. We believe that moderation oftentimes is key. We believe that everyone has their opinions and everyone is entitled to them. But we still want to be civil, we want to be level-headed and reasonable, and we want to split the difference to find the good stuff in the middle. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into story one, number one, which is, drum roll, please, the vice presidential debate, which, if you watched it, was so much better than the presidential debate. You could actually watch it and not be upset or angry. Uh, There was actual policy that was communicated and talked about, and there wasn't constant interruption between each of the two parties. It was a normal civil debate, which is not something that we're really used to in America anymore, which is incredibly sad. Uh, Starting off, I actually saw this on Twitter. It's hilarious. Just classic Trump campaign being just Trump being Trump, which Trump is one of the best stand-up comedians in the country right now, in my opinion. They bought a ticket for the vice presidential debate with the name for Tupac Shakur (laughs) because Kamala Harris went on a radio show a little while ago and said that Tupac was her favorite rapper, which is what everybody who doesn't listen to rap says. Hilarious. Classic Trump being Trump. I guess maybe trying to throw Kamala Harris off her game a little bit before going into the debate. Didn't work though because Kamala Harris did pretty good in this debate. So, uh, all in all, Susan Page, the moderator, did a fantastic job of keeping the peace, maintaining stuff going back and forth. I feel like uh, both Mike Pence and Kamala Harris were well prepared for the debate. They had their talking points lined up, and they went after each other hard, but with civility. Uh, we'll get into all the specifics about what the policy prescriptions were that they talked about, what it meant for the left, what it meant for the right, the different views on both sides. But before actually getting into it, while watching the debate, it honestly felt like that's, that was the presidential debate. It is embarrassing to think that the people that are actually running for president had a debate last week, and it was not nearly the caliber, not nearly the poise, not ne- nearly the quality that this vice presidential debate was. Both of them respected each other well. Uh, while disagreeing and arguing their side, well, uh, this type of civility and open discourse goes a very long way. It was so refreshing for me to sit there and look at two people who are 
diametrically opposed, right? Like Kamala Harris is absolutely on the fringe in terms of like, she is a pretty far left uh, politician and Mike Pence is the exact same thing, but on the far right side of the aisle, he's an evangelical Christian openly. So he's very, very conservative fiscally, very, very conservative socially. These people are diametrically opposed in terms of their political affiliations and what they believe. And they sat down at those desks, debated things well, They were not openly rude to one another. They weren't cutting each other off. It was very, very refreshing. So that being said, let's go ahead and jump in and take a quick look at a, uh, at a highlight video that is going to kind of show, uh, some of the, some of the best parts of the debate from last night. Let's take a look now. Well, the American people have witnessed what is the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country. China is to blame for the coronavirus. And President Trump is not happy about it. He's made that very clear, made it clear again today. Quite frankly, uh, when I look at their plan that talks about advancing testing, creating new PPE, developing a vaccine, It looks a little bit like plagiarism. We are talking about an election in 27 days where last week the president of the United States took a debate stage in front of 70 million Americans and refused to condemn white supremacists. Not true. Not true. It wasn't like he didn't have a chance. He didn't do it, and then he doubled down. This presumption that you hear consistently from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris that, uh, that America is systemically racist. Mm. And that, as Joe Biden said, that he believes that law enforcement has an implicit bias against minorities uh, is, is a great insult to the men and women who serve in law enforcement. And I want everyone to know who puts on the uniform they of law in enforcement every day, that President Which Trump and we will I talk stand about if you're not with you. You've refused to answer the question. Joe Biden has refused to answer the question. So I think the American people would really like to know if Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States, are you and Joe Biden, if somehow you win this election, going to pack the Supreme Court to get your way? I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. Okay, so... Uh, about a minute and a half video or so of them going back and forth. I will briefly touch on the fly that landed on Mike Pence's head. <laughs> of course, of course, this is one of the biggest stories of the debate. But a fly landed on Mike Pence's head, uh, flew away, and then came back. Every big news station is basically taking this and running from it. It was pretty hilarious. But. Uh, both Mike Pence and Kamala Harris were in their peak form last night. Pence was his regular old kind of quiet, not flamboyant, Midwestern grandfatherly self. He was dismantling arguments with a very, very calm, like not like, but like totally respectful demeanor. Uh, there have been a couple of people on the left that have said that he seems somewhat pious and arrogant. I could I could kind of see how how he was coming across that way, but he was very calm, very respectful, I think, in a lot of ways. And then Harris was her, like, I mean, peak energetic. She was quick, on her feet. She was well-spoken, very, very prosecutorial, uh, which is classic of her. I mean, she's that's, that's, that's kind of her training. So she came in and hounded hard the points that she felt that she could win, but somewhat kind of faltered on points where uh, she didn't, 
she was a little bit weaker in, and we'll get into that in a bit. Um, but she also had kind of her classic Kamala Harris, like mocking smile. A whole lot of people on the right have pointed this out. Whenever she is kind of behind on an answer or is frustrated by something, she like smiles this real wide smile, kind of something Hillary, it's very Hillary Clinton esque. Um, and a lot of people on the light uh, on the right side of the aisle were really kind of hiding, really hounding her about that. Um, but bottom line, if you liked both of them before, so if you liked Harris before, or if you liked Pence before, then you love them now. Both of them had a good performance in this debate. So in normal fashion, the left believes that Harris won and the right believes that Pence won. If you look at Ben Shapiro's podcast from yesterday or today, it's going to probably say something along the lines of, uh, Harris got absolutely destroyed by Mike Pence. And that is all the entire podcast is going to be about. If you're listening to David Pakman or if you're listening to the Young Turks, I'm sure that everything that they're going to say is that Kamala Harris just absolutely ran roughshod over the entire Republican Party. The reason why both are both able to make that argument is because both of them are kind of right. They both did really well. So let's go ahead and jump in, look at it from the left side of the aisle. Kamala went in like a hungry dog on the pandemic. She... I mean, started nailing Mike Pence down on this from the very, very beginning. She regularly quoted the 210,000 people have died. Not surprising. Uh, she pointed, she, this is a point that, you know, I guess on the pandemic that I really think that she won and that she did well with. I personally expected Pence to have a lot more to say about it than he did because he's the head of the coronavirus task force. A lot of the stuff that uh, Kamala Harris went after him about was that, you know, like we, our, our death rate is much higher than most other developed countries. We've got an extremely high, uh, or our mortality rate, I mean, is much higher than a lot of other death, um, first world countries or developed countries. Our, uh, we have so many people that are getting infected that are still getting infected. Things are still going up. And Mike Pence's only argument to it was, well, we did good. He didn't quote a ton of facts. He quoted a couple things about, you know, like sending out PPE and, you know, doing their best to try and support the American people. But Mike Pence almost tried to shift it to make it seem like Kamala Harris was saying that the American people had done a bad job with this when Harris was very clearly coming after the Trump administration for their lack of uh, handling the coronavirus pandemic well. So he was kind of being dodgy. Pence was dodging things a little bit. He was trying to politic around it a little bit, acting like Kamala was attacking the American people. But um, everyone, I think, for the most part, kind of knows and sees through that facade a little bit. Everyone knows that Harris was attacking the Trump administration. And a lot of people don't think that Trump has done the best job in the world for it, uh, for the coronavirus. She also attacked Pence about the administration not having a plan for health care. So... Uh, one of the big concerns that a lot of Americans, both left and right side of the aisle, have right now is that they are working to dismantle Obamacare while at the same time not having a plan for health care to be out. She ha went, down, went in on Trump about, or on Pence about how Trump has come out and said multiple times that his administration has a health care plan, but actually hasn't rolled anything out. And she's 100% correct on this. Trump has not had anything formal come out. He's done a couple things here and there, like trying to provide transparency in hospitals, but he hasn't come in and fixed Obamacare like he campaigned on. And she hit Pence pretty hard about this. People on the left obviously want to keep Obamacare. They don't want Obamacare to go. They want it to be expanded. While people on the right want Obamacare to go, but they want it to be replaced with something. And I think this is where she was able to get some points on Trump or on Pence and on the Trump administration. 
they haven't come out with a formal plan. And so even the right is sitting here like, listen, it's all well and good for you to put in a conservative justice that may dismantle Obamacare. It's all well and good for you to get transparency in hospitals. But I want to see a plan like just because I'm on the right side of the aisle and I think Obamacare is bad doesn't mean that I think it should be dismantled without anything to replace it. So uh, she she definitely got a good couple of points on Pence there. Uh, where I think that she lost was actually when she tried to attack the economy. So Kamala Harris did a lot, a little bit similar to what Joe Biden did last week in trying to take credit for and responsibility for the economy that was absolutely booming in 2017, 2018, and 2019. She didn't do this well. She did not make an argument well, the argument well here. There is virtually nobody that believes that this economy that was doing very well for the past three years was done because of Joe Biden. I can somewhat, you know, I mean, most people credit how the economy does to the president that's in charge at the time. Some of that is good. Some of that is bad. But Pence was able to very firmly kind of deflect those things that she was saying and kind of go back into the tax cuts that we did, provided Americans with over $2,000 a year on average. Uh, Trump is for the American people. He's wanting to help the middle class. He's somebody that's going through to try and make make businesses great, make America great again, right? Um it's not that I think that Kamala Harris didn't have a point or didn't have a foot, like a leg to stand on here, because it it is true that Trump's tax plan absolutely helped out the wealthy and it helped out large corporations significantly more than it helped out the little man, or I guess the middle class, right? There was also a lot of people that were very impoverished that were helped by Trump's taxes tax plan as well. Um, which we're not going to get into the specifics of all of his tax plan in 2017, but the middle class was not greatly benefited from the tax plan. So Kamala Harris, the reason why I think she lost this is not necessarily because she didn't have any good talking points or she didn't have any good facts maybe to back herself up, but she didn't execute them very well here. Trump or Trump and you know his tax plan was very well defended by Mike Pence last night. So, um, or on Wednesday night, I mean. So she also lost, I think, a good bit by not answering whether or not they were going to try to pack the Supreme Court. This is a big concern for a lot of people. Even people on the left do not think it is a good idea to pack the Supreme Court. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was on uh, was on tape multiple times saying that it's not a good idea to pack the Supreme Court with more people. Just because you do not have the majority that you want on the Supreme Court does not give you the right, and it does not give you... Uh, I guess it is, it's not a good thing to pack it and put more people on it. People wanted to hear what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris had to say about it, and they continue to not answer it. And that is not a good look. Uh, Biden, both Biden and Harris, uh, have not come out and actually said any formal answer on this. And the American people, I think, want to know. Um, Pence tried to hold her feet to the fire a little bit about it, and so did uh, so did Paige last night, the moderator. But Harris wouldn't give in; she wouldn't answer. So let's go ahead, then jump other side of the aisle, right side of the aisle. How did Mike Pence do? So like I said, Pence won the economy. He frequently talked about Trump's tax plan, talked about the $2,000 or so that the average American saved. Um, Kamala had a point about the rich and the corporations doing well. But one thing that I think that Trump or Pence did do well here, I keep saying Trump, uh, Pence did do well here, was touting the recovery that's happening right now. So uh, he 
very frequently referred to, and this is what the Trump administration has referred to a lot over the past couple months, that we're in a V-shaped recovery. So uh, he was saying that Trump is stepping forward to be able to put things in place to try and get stimulus bills passed, to try and uh, work hard for the American people so that our economy recovers very quickly. We'll get into, actually in our next story, whether or not Trump's actually doing that, but uh, Pence did a good job, I think, of uh, defending and deflecting a lot of the attacks that Kamala Harris had around the economy because a lot of people are very satisfied with the way that the Republicans have led the economy the last couple years. When Kamala Harris comes after Mike Pence and says that, uh, well, the economy is terrible right now, it's absolutely in the, you know, it's just a, in a total dumpster fire and people are losing their jobs, there's going to be evictions everywhere. Well, everybody knows that that's because of the lockdowns. That's because of the coronavirus. And it's not Trump that is the one that wants to continue lockdowns. So when Kamala Harris comes out and says, the economy is terrible right now and this is Trump's fault, I think that there's a lot of people that look at that and they're like, "Mm, I don't, I mean, yes, I agree. Trump may not have done the best in in order to stop this pandemic and he definitely didn't do everything right in curbing growth uh, of the coronavirus across the country. But he's been wanting to open the economy up for a while. And you guys are the ones that have been saying that he shouldn't do that. I think that it kind of made made Harris look a little shifty there. So um, another place that I think that Mike Pence won, it actually necessarily wasn't a topic, but he pointed out and made Kamala Harris look very far left, which she is. This was something that Mike Pence did very well. So... He pointed out that Kamala Harris has one of the farthest left-leaning voting records in the Senate. Absolutely true. If you go and look through Kamala Harris's voting record, she was a co-sponsor on the Green New Deal, which, whether you love it or hate it, it is very, very left politically in its ideology. Um, she was uh, Mike Pence did a good job of not letting her look like a moderate, which is what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have been trying to do, especially Joe Biden. He's always kind of ridden in that moderate lane, but he decided to pick somebody that's very, very far left because he knew that he needed to be able to kind of pick up that wing of the Democratic Party that he was worried he was going to lose. Well, the majority of people are not as far left as Kamala Harris at least in terms of her voting record. So by Mike Pence pointing out that Harris was extremely far left and that uh, they want to get in and immediately take away Trump's tax cut. They want to immediately get in and raise taxes on everybody. They want to get in and uh, sponsor and and, and end fracking. He he said that pointedly over and over again, which mm, that was, that's a little, that's a little iffy. The, The jury is still out on whether or not both of them have fully endorsed ending fracking. I don't see a lot of evidence of that, but um, anyways, he made, he made Kamala Harris look far left because she is Kamala Harris. On the other hand, could have made Pence look far right because he is far right, but she chose not to do that. And I think a lot of it is because a lot of Trump's base is, you know, they have the conservative evangelical community on lock. That's not going anywhere anytime soon. So, uh, where did Pence lose? Pence lost on the pandemic for sure. Like I missed, like I said before, I also think that he lost on, um, uh, talking about all of the protest and racial inequality in America, it is a, a, a sentiment across by polling data that Americans want and see a need for police reform 
and they want and see a need for racial justice in the United States. This is not an extremely controversial topic until you get to the place where Mike Pence is making it seem like Kamala Harris and a large portion of the left are saying that all white people are racist or all white people are bigots. Everybody on the right is terrible. Yes, there are people on the far left side of the aisle that are saying that. Absolutely. We'll give you that. There are people on the far left side of the aisle that say that if you vote Republican at all, then you're a horrible person, you're a bigot, you're terrible, you're homophobic, you're racist, X, Y, Z, right? But that is not the majority of the Democratic Party, okay? The majority of the Democratic Party doesn't think just because you're a Republican, you're an absolutely horrible person. So when Pence immediately goes on the defensive about, you know, oh, well, you know, Trump, Trump doesn't, doesn't condone white supremacy. Uh, he, he has said that white supremacy is bad. You're taking him out of context and all this stuff. It looks like, all right, well, Pence, you, you feel like you have to defend yourself for a reason here. And it's because Trump has dodged questions about white supremacy multiple times. Trump's record on uh, speaking out against white supremacy and, and not igniting further riots and further difficulty across the country in terms of race is not great. Donald Trump has not been fantastic for race relations in the United States. And a lot of people look at that and they see, see that and they recognize it. So Trump or Pence didn't do a great job, I think, of defending that. Kamala Harris went straight into the eight minutes and 46 seconds referring to George Floyd and how awful that was. Um, and I, Pence didn't have a ton of argument to be able to fight back against it. So he got slammed on the pandemic. He got slammed on racial injustice. And then um, he also never really gave a solid argument as to why we should be opening back up um, in terms of referring to the pandemic. He, uh, he also didn't really give a ton of answers around the health of Trump and why Trump's doctors over the past week have been giving kind of shifty answers back and forth. So... He almost just kind of looked unsure in those areas, and I think Kamala was able to really, really just hound in very, very well, and like almost like she was just cross-examining him in some areas. Um, so she did a very good job there. At the very end, he also didn't really, uh, wouldn't really talk about whether or not it is their plan to uh, go through and reverse the Roe versus Wade decision which is something that I've always been super confused about with the conservatives. So over the past couple of weeks, the reason why conservatives have been excited about Amy Coney Barrett is because she's a very conservative judge, right? I don't necessarily think that they do have the votes to overturn Roe versus Wade on the Supreme Court, but it seems like Trump and Pence, who Pence is has said multiple times, and Trump campaigned on wanting to reverse Roe versus Wade to fire up that side of the Republican Party, why they're shying away from saying, yes, we want to reverse Roe versus Wade right now, when that's something they kind of campaigned on. Like, it's not a mystery that there's a portion of the right side of the aisle that wants to reverse that and wants to make abortion completely illegal. Uh, both Trump and Pence have kind of seemed to uh, push that away or not get too controversial on that right when they're probably about to have the this most conservative Supreme Court that they've had for a long time. It seems like they're trying to hide the fact that they want to reverse Roe versus Wade. And I don't think a lot of the American people buy that. Um, with that having been said, I still, like I said, don't think that they do have the votes to overturn it, but it just is interesting to me that they would want to hide that that's their sentiment or their goal as evangelical conservatives. So all in all, good debate. Both of them did very well. Who do I think won? 
honestly, that's 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 a really really tough call. I think both of them won on certain things that are going to be good for the other side or for their side specifically. People wanted to see Kamala Harris go after him on the pandemic. People wanted to see Pence come out and defend the economy, right? Uh, with that having been said, uh, they are both candidates very, very purposefully chosen to be able to represent kind of the far reaches of each side of the party. And uh, if either of them were to assume the presidency, I honestly do believe that they would be better than the current president or Joe Biden that is running for president at getting things done, policy prescriptions done uh, that their party wants. It was abundantly clear that both Harris and Pence were on that stage for a reason, and it's because both of them are honestly solid VP choices for each respective party. So... With that being said, let's go ahead and move on to story two. So second story of the day is Trump sending some pretty mixed signals about the coronavirus stimulus. So in classic Trump form, he decides to start tweeting on Wednesday. He's tweeting about all kinds of stuff. This goes into Thursday a little bit, but he pretty much freaked everybody out. Um, early in the morning on Wednesday morning or at, towards the afternoon, mar- the stock market and everything was just going up and down. But Trump decides that he wants to start tweeting out that he's going to veto or he's not going to sign any bill that Congress sends him uh, that Nancy Pelosi is basically endorsed and is trying to get to onto his desk. He tweeted saying that he wasn't going to sign the stimulus bill because Pelosi had put a bunch of garbage in, which, listen, I kind of agree with Trump here. Nancy Pelosi put a whole bunch of garbaggio in this stimulus bill. So there was a ton of stuff in the bill about banning voter ID requirements, forcing states to count absentee ballots up to 10 days after the election, and imposing same-day voter registration, which is only legal right now in 21 states. So she was wanting to kind of go through and just rewrite how elections are done in all 50 states at the federal level and tacking it on to the end of a stimulus bill so that she could politic around and be like, well, Donald Trump doesn't want people to have their stimulus checks. You know, I'm Nancy Pelosi, blah, blah, blah. So pretty classic politicking, pretty classic Nancy Pelosi. But Donald Trump messed up because he said that he was going to take responsibility. He said that he was the one not going to sign it. That was dumb. So Made, made Trump look pretty bad here because the majority of Americans don't re- they didn't read the bill, right? They didn't go through and look at every single thing that the bill had to say. They're not going in-depth on analysis for the stimulus bill. The only thing that they want to know is, am I going to be able to feed my family and am I going to be able to pay my bills next month when I still don't have a job? I'm probably going to get evicted from the house that I'm renting right now and I need to be able to pay for you know my kids' food. Well, Trump taking responsibility for and saying he's not going to sign a, st- sign a stimulus bill, which is what a lot of Americans want right now, not the best move. So Nancy Pelosi obviously was ecstatic about this. We're going to go ahead, hop in, take a look at this at Nancy Pelosi uh, talking about this now. It was, uh, I-, I, can, I can say with all certainty, Nancy Pelosi probably slept really, really good over the past couple of days. And then all of a sudden... He's um, uh, infected by the coronavirus and the president's in the hospital. Our president, we pray for him. And then t- today comes out of the hospital, yesterday comes out of the hospital and says, uh, turn off the negotiations. So you never know what's going to be coming next. Four weeks from now, we're going to have a new president of the United States. And we have to make sure that happens. 
people say to me, in all these bills, you try to correct so many problems. You can't do it all. I said, I'm not doing it all, but I'm not going to make matters worse. But what we do have to do is focus our attention on winning the election. And the president made that when he wins the election, we're going to write a new bill. Oh, really? What election would that be? So Nancy Pelosi right there, extremely ecstatic. She is happy. She's like, this was this was the best thing that Trump could have given me. I mean, Trump literally just handed Nancy Pelosi the basketball and was like, go ahead, hit every three-pointer on the court right now. Um, Nancy Pelosi's ecstatic. So shortly after Trump realizes his blunder, right, and he's like, oh, no. I just took responsibility for uh, the American people not having stimulus. He starts tweeting some more. And everybody knows the more that Trump tweets, the better off he does, right? That was uh, sarcasm. So uh, Trump starts tweeting around saying that he would sign something immediately if all it was was giving $1,200 uh, $1, to every single American, okay? Uh, and, and if that was all that was in the bill. That's what he should have led with. Like, come on. You know, there are so many Republicans right now that are sitting in Congress looking at, you know, Mitch McConnell is sitting there. He probably called his wife and was like, dude, what is Trump doing? I'm up here doing everything I can to, to, to try and fight back all these negotiations with these Democrats. And Donald Trump is up here ruining everything for us. So he's got to lead <laughs> Donald Trump if he's the, the artful and masterful negotiator that he claims to be. He has to lead with, this is the Democrats' fault, at least, all right? That's the least he has to do. Of course, no, Trump doesn't do that. But uh, I do also really see what Trump is going with here. Nancy Pelosi was just doing a classic Pelosi move. She knew that she was trying to strong arm in a whole bunch of stuff the Republicans didn't want because if the Republicans right here before the election can be like, listen, we're going to get $1,200 into every single American's pocket. A lot of Americans are going to be like, sweet. Uh, that sounds like something I want from my president. Maybe I need to vote for Trump. So Nancy Pelosi is eyes straight, straight ahead, focused on Joe Biden winning that presidency. She cannot stand Donald Trump. She wants him out. So needless to say, the markets were all over the place. Uh, nobody knew what was going on. In classic Trump fashion, he was swinging wildly back and forth from left to right. He didn't know what to tweet. Nobody knew what was going on. The markets are historically very, very volatile in the month, in the October, right before a November election. So this is just not what Trump needed right now before the election, which actually does a very good job of leading us right into our third story. So story number three, Biden seems to be way up in the polls. So just about every poll that you look at, Biden is ahead by double digits. This is not looking good for Trump. There ha I don't actually know of any president that has been up one month uh, or has been, I don't know of any president that, any person that has won while being down double digits less than a month to the election. So even last time around between Trump and Hillary, Trump was down a pretty good amount, but he wasn't down double digits consistently across a wide variety of polls. So even a Fox News poll taken on Wednesday has Biden up by 10 points. Uh, Wall Street Journal NBC poll has Biden up 13 to 14 points. Um, it's always tough to gauge whether or not the polls are accurate. And a lot of times if you talk to anybody that's a Republican, they will normally say, well, there's still a silent majority that is not participating in these polls because there's a lot of people that are scared to admit that they're going to vote for Trump, which 
is absolutely true. Uh, but what it is clear is that the polls have tended to trend downward since last week in the presidential debate. Trump definitely did not get a lot of benefit from the presidential debate, then getting coronavirus, and then coming out and saying that he's going to halt all stimulus talks until after the election. He's not, he, it definitely was not a great look for Donald Trump over the past, past couple weeks. So, uh, Within this last month leading up to the election, there are a lot of independents that kind of make their choice as to who, are, who it is that they're going to vote for. That final kind of three to four week stretch, it's incredibly important. And it doesn't look like Trump is playing the game very well. If people want, if Donald Trump really wants to win this, he's got to stop at these faux pas. He's got to stop at this going back and forth between whether or not, like what he's doing. And then, here, within, the, within, within yesterday, Trump came out and said that he wasn't going to do another debate if it's virtual. I, I don't know necessarily that that is beneficial for Trump. It kind of makes him look scared. It makes it look like it, he's, he's worried that another debate performance is going to hurt him just like the previous one did. Uh, I see where Trump is coming from because doing a debate virtually would be terrible, right? But... I think that Trump is going to maybe to try to push to have it in person. Uh, Biden's got a lot of got a great argument here. I'm sure that Biden's going to be like, listen, if Trump has tested positive at all leading up to the debate, I'm not going to get in the same room with him because I'm going to take it seriously. If that's his argument, it's a solid argument. There's not a lot of people that are going to fault Biden for that. Donald Trump not being willing to do the debate and Biden coming out and saying that he's willing to do whatever he thinks that is best for the country and best for uh, what the debate moderators think doesn't look good for Trump. So what this says to me is that Trump needs a big push here in the end. Um, he needs to, he needs to have something that can able to get him out, get him in front of people that is going to be positive, not as going to be negative. Honestly, the less that Trump, I think, is in front of the media, the better off. If a whole bunch of people are looking at Biden making faux pas, then Trump is going to end up doing better. It's just always how it goes. It's kind of the politics that we're in right now. Um, but Trump attacking, attacking the stimulus plans, refusing to debate, and then tweeting all kinds of crazy stuff, definitely not helping him. So last thing that Trump needs right now is to be extremely loud and ridiculous and be the front and be in front of everybody. It's going to be a very, very close race. Um, and you're not just seeing this with Biden. Okay. So this is, there've been multiple polls that have come out looking at different senatorial races, especially, but different races across the country of Democrats that are taking on incumbent Republicans or uh, Republicans that are just not uh, not doing very well in their states or they're not they're not running good campaigns or they're uh, starting to falter a little bit. Uh, places like Alaska, Kansas, and even in my home state here of South Carolina. So Lindsey Graham, who's uh, the incumbent Republican senator, very popular Lindsey Graham. He was you know, as uh, head of the chairman of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, South Carolina does not like Lindsey Graham, but they do like the fact that he defended Brett Kavanaugh. Well, Jamie Harrison, the Democratic uh, candidate right now running against him, has had tons of money dumped into this election. They are fighting off Lindsey Graham tooth and nail. They want Lindsey Graham out. Democrats want Lindsey Graham out. Um, and where J Lindsey Graham was up in like February and March, he was up like 15 points on Jamie Harrison. Nobody even knew who Jamie Harrison was. And right now, it's now a toss-up. No one can call what's going to happen in South Carolina. 
There's So it's looking like, according to polls, and again, you have to take all these polls with a grain of salt, but it's looking like there's going to be a pretty big blue wave that, that kind of sweeps across the country. Uh, it's looking like they're going to, Democrats are going to take the House, or they're going to keep the House, they're going to take the Senate, and that Joe Biden is going to win the presidency as well. Uh, something very similar to what happened in 2016 when the Republicans took the House, the Republicans took and maintained the, a sizable lead in the Senate, and then Donald Trump won the presidency. So we'll definitely kind of have to see how all of this plays out. Needless to say, beginning of November is going to be a very, very interesting time, to say the least. Uh it's, it's going to come down to the wire in a lot of races. It's going to be very, very close. There's a lot of money being spent and a lot of money being donated. So uh, it's going to be going to be interesting to see how all of this ends up playing out. My favorite thing to do at the end of the show is to have something that made me smile throughout the week. So uh, this story comes today. Uh, it's brought by Inside Edition, did a little story on it. It's about a five-year-old boy that decided that he wanted to give firefighters his baby Yoda doll. And it is just the cutest story you ever saw in your whole life. So hold on, go ahead and take a look at this. Firefighters are feeling the force after this adorable gift from a well-wishing child. Five-year-old Carver wanted to give something nice to the first responders defending his state of Oregon against wildfires. We turned around and we saw the baby Yoda and those big eyes just locked in. And uh, I said, what do you think about this? Should we take this? And what did you say? Yes. Yeah, he thought mm -hmm. that would be a good idea. So, um, so then what did we do next? We brought him to the fireplace. And once firefighters got their hands on baby Yoda, they put him to work, taking him with them to battle these blazes. Many of them sent in photos of their new crew member to Tyler Eubanks, who collects donations for the firefighters. So that's the story right there. Little Carter, five-year-old up in Oregon, decides he wants to give baby Yoda to some firefighters. And it is pretty hilarious, all the pictures that have come out of all these first responders and firefighters holding this baby Yoda doll. It's adorable, and it is, it's one of those things that just shows even just a small gift like that can go such a long way. They've raised a ton of money for the wildfires and for wildfire victims as a result of this basically just blowing up on social media. So I thought that was a cute story. Thought that it would just brighten your day and end the week on a high note going into the weekend. Uh, again, I want to thank you for being with me today. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for helping me to look at the left and the right and do your best to split the difference. If you're liking what you're hearing, please remember to give us a like, give us a share. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, rate us with the five stars. We need those five-star reviews. Type us out a good review. Just how awesome it is, how you love to smile at the end of the show. Please look us up. We're on Instagram at Split the Difference Podcast, 1T. Uh, we're on YouTube at Split the Difference. Please find us on there. Hit me up. Say hey. Tell me what you like about the show. Uh, continue to, to share us around to all your friends and family if you think this is great. Thank you for logging in, for tuning in with us. Uh, remember, as always, we're going to do our best to keep a level head. We're going to keep the, do our best to be reasonable. And always, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.